Welcome to Smart Parent Successful Students Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Panos. I run a tutoring company for K through 12 students who need help with reading, math, writing, study skills, ACT, SAT, prep, and more. My tutors work both virtually and in person. We specialize in really getting to know your kids and helping them thrive. I was a teacher and leader in a Georgia school system for 25 years. I saw what worked and what didn't. And there are definitely some gaps that teachers can't touch, which is why our tutors are so important. Teachers can only do so much. I'm here to bridge that gap between parents and teachers to help your kids become successful in school and beyond. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to my show. And um, I am going to be your guest today. And we're going to be talking about the seven myths related to um, the SAT and the ACT that I hear the most about. There are a lot more myths than seven, actually, more like 15 that I could talk to you about parents. But um, these are the top seven that I say I hear about the most from parents. And I felt like this was a good time to set a lot of things straight in terms of what's a myth, what's a fact. And um, so we're going to start with number one. Um, A lot of times I'll hear this particular um, comment that the ACT, the ACT, is easier than the SAT. And um, well, that's false. It's a myth. Um, And Neither is really necessarily easier than the other type of test. The types of questions on the ACT and the SAT are different from each other, but they test a lot of the same things. Um, one, one may suit your test, you know, your child's test taking or learning style more than another one would. So the best way to determine what's best for your child is to take a practice test and have them take a practice test of each of the types to find out which is better for them. And, um, you know, along with that same type of methods, I'll hear things like colleges prefer the SAT, the SAT over the ACT, the ACT. And really admissions counselors really do not prefer one exam over the other. So everybody's aware of that. Um, I'll hear that every once in a while as well. And again, same reasons why they're not going to say that one is better than the other. They really don't know your your child's um, learning style, let's say, and or their um, the way they test. And so I wanna um, basically say that neither the ACT or the SAT use a curved scale. It's how well other students do on a test. That does not affect your score, actually. And so I think part of all of which one's easier and which one is not has to do with that as well. Uh, Both tests do use a statistical type of a process um, called equating, if you'd like to look that up. And the results from previous exams are compared to the current test to make sure that scores from different tests will show the same ability regardless of the test. So um, the best time to really have your child take the test is when they're prepared. Um, That's the best answer that we can give um, because we don't know every individual child's um, preparation ahead of time and or their test style. 
So that was B number one is the ACT is easier than the SAT. And that's not necessarily true. Number two, myth, don't take the ACT or SAT until late in your junior year. Now that's a huge one that I hear a lot, parents, and it is a myth, it's false. Um, so you should take the test, at, your child should take the test at least three times. Um, it doesn't count against them, it doesn't penalize them in any fashion. But many colleges start accepting applications August 1 and um, of, that, of your child's senior year. So fitting in multiple tests is difficult as it is with their schedule typically. And if your first test isn't until April of the junior year, um, now you're really getting close to hitting that deadline, um, which is the first uh, application deadline, which you'd like to try to hit somewhere around that time. So while waiting to take the test means you, you'll have taken more math courses possibly, or your child would have taken more math courses, most ACT and SAT math questions can be solved if um, they've completed pre-algebra, algebra, and geometry. And most kids have completed these things by the summer of their sophomore year, right as they're beginning their junior uh, year. So beginning test prep in the summer after the sophomore year can be a really good sound strategy. Um, so, or at least by the fall of junior year. Um, a lot of people are waiting a little too long to begin the prep and waiting till April to take the exam is probably not a great idea either, not a great strategy. I think that's just been something parents think and they hear from other parents. So consider the academic load your child has, the activities, extracurricular activities they have, the personal commitments, and then give them, they should have given themselves a cushion in case they have to postpone a test. And I've seen several of our students as well have to postpone for a couple of reasons. Something happens in their family, um, had one that had a, a death in their family and they had to postpone it. So you really need to, account for things that happen in life as well. So that is myth number two is don't take the ACT or SAT until late in your junior year. And that's pretty much false. You should be taking it at the beginning of your junior year. Again, all you need for math is pre-algebra, algebra, and geometry. Very few questions are going to be like trig related. Number three myth, high GPA students don't need to prepare for the ACT and SAT. Now, a lot of kids will say this to their parents. I've got this mom and dad. I'm not worried. I can do this. I've been doing well in, in class tests, but that's not necessarily the case as well. So both the ACT and SAT are academic exams. The students who do well in school tend to do well on them, but both tests are different from what the students usually experience at school. Um, because normally when they're doing a chapter test, they get a study guide from their teacher and they're taught certain things and it's much also a smaller unit versus something that's an SAT or ACT that lasts almost three hours. Um, understanding strategies that are specific to each test can improve your scores for your children. Um, stamina, pacing needs to be strong. That's another 
thing that they don't account for. Uh, they don't normally have to take a test longer than an hour in school. The math sections are comprehensive, covering math topics that were maybe uh, used years ago. English grammar questions may be structured a little differently. You've got um, high school subjects such as calculus, economics, history that are not tested. Um, so doing well in school may not translate to high test scores. It just depends on your child. Um, but I can guarantee that probably even students who do well on tests will benefit from SAT and ACT prep. A special message from Dynamis Learning Academy. Have you noticed that your children have possibly been struggling with writing? They may be anywhere from kindergarten to eighth grade and you have been working with them time after time to try to get them to add things to improve their writing skills. Well, parents, is it's really not something that you should struggle with. Please reach out to a tutor to help them because they are ex experienced in helping with certain strategies that children need in order to love and, and see writing as a valuable tool for them in the future. Reach out to Dynamis Learn Academy at 770-282-9931 so we can discuss a great writing tutor which will then help your child improve their writing and have a love for it as well. Thank you. Number four is that the SAT and the ACT are like an IQ test, so you really can't study for it. So that's a myth that's out there as well, because um, especially you've got tests that measure a portion of what is learned in high school, especially reading comprehension, grammar, math, test-taking ability, data interpretation, those things are usually taught in school. The ACT requires a memorization of formulas, and the SAT covers like your logic and reasoning skills, skills improved with practice, basically. You can't just learn logic and reasoning skills all of a sudden. Everyone can improve their score regardless, and even a small point jump can make a big difference in scholarship money. So definitely I've seen kids who have just missed the 1200 uh, needed for Zelle scholarship and um, they had done prep that probably would have pushed them over. Number five, if you don't know the answer, leave it blank. This is a very common um, myth. <laughs> so that guessing penalty that we all might have heard about a long time ago has been removed on both the SAT and the ACT and points are only earned for the correct answers. Um, <clears throat> so at the end of the test, it's it's basically time to take a look at what's left and go ahead and fill in the bubble for every question. If, you're, if your child's running out of time, that's what they need to do. Um, educated guests, of course, are the best. Um, it's better than trying to do random guesses, but either way, it's, it's important to try to um, answer them all. And uh, myth number six, you can't make big improvements on test scores. Um, and to the contrary, that's also a myth. Answering only two to three more questions could jump your score up in the section. 
And then those jumps <clears throat> and the scholarship money that can trigger from that are why test prep is important and the best paying, paying job out there really, because if you need to get a certain score for college to get in, or you need it for the scholarship for Zelle or the Hope Scholarship or any other, then um, I would definitely encourage your, your child to take test prep. They just need to figure out when's the best time for them to take it so that they can do a good job and, and really concentrate on it. And myth number seven, is schools are going test optional, so test scores don't matter anyway. And that was kind of going on in 2020. Um, so, but now everybody's kind of pretty much back to normal, let's say. And this test optional only applies to students who are willing to pay like a full price because colleges that are test optional still typically require test scores for scholarships. Uh, plus many colleges look at test scores for class placement or they require minimum scores for specific programs or majors. So if two similar candidates, let's say, apply to a selective college, <clears throat> then one's gonna have if one has a better score versus the other child who maybe didn't apply, didn't give any score, then who would we think might have the advantage? Again, if your child is up against another child and getting accepted into a college, having a great score versus a child who may not have taken the SAT or the ACT, it's going, they're gonna have the advantage. And um, so this test optional versus there's test blind and things like that. So I definitely encourage you to speak to your child's counselor at the school, look at what schools you're gonna be applying to and then make sure you understand all that information ahead of time. Um, I'm going to also run down a couple other myths that I hear a lot of that um, I just want to add a couple more here. And one being that sometimes children are going to go elsewhere, not necessarily college. And so um, this is a myth. Only take the ACT and the SST if you plan to go to college. Well, you know, these scores are valid for five years. And depending on the individual college admission policies. But so taking the test in high school is really a good idea. So later, if you decide to go to college, your child decides to go to college, you have these scores and they're still valid. More than likely they're gonna decide in five years if they're gonna go to college or not. So many community colleges and your technical and your trade schools, things like this, especially ROTC, I've received a call about that program before. They do accept the SAT and the ACT scores in lieu of their own placement test. So that's something to find out um, about if your child's going to go into ROTC or some other type of program, like a, a military type of program. So sometimes they will accept these in, in their own instead of their own placement test that they give. Um, another common one that I want to talk about that I hear people speaking about is um skip the act writing section because it's not really 
it's now optional, ACT Act. So few colleges are gonna require the writing and essay portions of the test, but in 2019, almost 800,000 students completed the ACT writing test. Why is that? Because writing an essay can be useful if a college on your list, on your top list does recommend or require one. And it could save your child from having to take another full test just to earn that score that they need. And some colleges are using the score to waive college writing classes. So something to check into with your college uh, that you're applying to and your counselor at the high school. If an admissions officer finds you and another prospective student, let's say, or your child and another prospective student having similar applications, this is where this becomes important. Your essay could be that tipping point in getting accepted to the, your college of choice. So keep that in mind, parents. A lot of these things are, it, could that be a tipping point? You don't wanna have said, oh, no point in doing the writing portion because they don't need it. But what if that's the tipping point that gets them into the college of their choice? I would definitely take a look at that. Um, send scores to prospective schools after you get your results. Um, that's a myth as well. So free is good. Sending scores to four schools is included in your test registration. While sending scores afterwards would cost you some money. But if you don't think you did well, maybe you didn't prepare well enough, you weren't feeling well that day when you took the test, you have the right to cancel the scores by completing a form before you leave the test center or downloading and mailing a cancel request. So keep that in mind and you gotta do that within five days of your test date. Uh, both tests allow you to send just your best rather than all scores. So some colleges prefer require all your scores, but there's super scoring out there as well. So they'll take the best of your uh, scores, no matter how many you take. So I definitely wanna encourage you to make sure you're understanding the whole concept of this SAT and ACT testing and what's to your advantage, what's not. And make sure you keep these myths in mind because there are a lot of them running around out there that are just been passed on and on for years and years. <laughs> um, so definitely reach out to me at Helen at dynamuslearningacademy.com or 770-282-9931. I would love to talk to you about your child and what they need, um, where are they going, what's their goal, where they wanna go to school, what's the score they wanna make. And we wanna make sure that we help, help them you know, reach that that score and reach their potential. And uh, I'm happy to help you try to determine which test might be best for them. Of course, if you listen to what I said earlier when I started these myths, then you know that may all um, determine which way to go. And again, I'm gonna run down these seven myths real quick for those of you joining in a little late. Number one, the ACT Act is easier than the SAT. That's false, not necessarily true. Number two, don't take the ACT or the SAT until late in your junior year. Really the best time to take it is the beginning of your junior year. It allows for extra time to get all these, about three tests in. Number three, high GPA students don't need to prepare for the ACT 
in SAT. Again, not true because we don't, there's nothing to say that a high GPA student can do very well on the ACT and SAT. It's a totally different type of test than what they're used to. Number four, the ACT and SAT is an IQ test, so you can't really study for it. Also, again, a myth. Number five, if you don't know the answer, leave it blank. The so parents, the guessing penalty of when maybe we were taking these tests has been removed now. So if that myth is still running around, that's not true. So definitely best that they do guess, but not on all of them, of course. <laughs> and number six is you can't make big improvements on your test scores. Uh, again, that's false. You can actually make amazing uh, progress on your test scores. And then number seven, Schools are going test optional, so test scores don't matter. And that's not necessarily true either. So make sure you understand which colleges your children are applying to and what they're looking for. If you have any questions, again, reach out to me. I'm happy to help you. Take care, and we'll see you again next week on our next episode. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening to Smart Parents Successful Students Podcast. I hope this episode has been insightful and inspirational. Wherever you're listening, be sure to go ahead and subscribe to get the next episodes and to join our email list by going to www.dynamuslearningacademy.com backslash podcast backslash. Also, it would warm my heart if you reviewed the podcast on Spotify and shared it with your community. And remember... I believe that every child would benefit from getting extra support outside the classroom, whether they are struggling or are part of an advanced or gifted program, because teachers just can't do it all. Please connect with me about our K-12 tutoring, SAT or ACT prep classes, and writing workshops to help your child excel in school. I can be reached through email at helen at dynamuslearningacademy.com or by phone at 770-282-9931. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.